What's up, everyone? We're back with another episode. It's been a while since Orange County has played. Uh, they didn't play this past weekend. It was a, a midweek last week that they played in Drew with Las Vegas Lights. We're going to talk about that match, plus the rematch from last season's championship uh, title winning match for Orange County. Let's get into this. Welcome to the podcast of champions. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. <laughs> The first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast. Or on Facebook at Orange and Black SoccerCast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black SoccerCast. The first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I'm here to take you through this journey as we discuss all things Orange County Soccer Club and just watching that intro video uh seeing Ronaldo Damas uh scoring in that championship match last year and then watching what he's doing now um in Europe it's uh it's just a sad thing I'm gonna bring in Brad and ask him that question if he's sad when he watches that those old highlights from last season's title winning match especially that Damas goal uh Brad how we doing man it's crazy how that was what November of last year and we're going on almost nine months since then that is I think the only thing that like really strikes me about it other than that like what a crazy season it's been so far do I miss Thomas yeah but he's doing great things in uh in Sweden right now the I can't say the same about the rest of uh Suns Ball uh, that, that banger he had uh recently from just at the top of the box there um, sort of looks like an off balance shot when he takes it, but man, right into the corner of the net. So, um, we probably can you imagine if we would have had Ronaldo Damas this season playing alongside Milan Oloski and how amazing, um, that, uh, that, that combination could have been. And then of course you have Kubo in there too. I mean, we could have been racking up goals this season, uh, but unfortunately Damas had to be shipped off to Europe. Uh, Milan's playing amazing. Kubo has been decent. Uh, but for whatever reason, it, it, we're still struggling. But but let's say this, right? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm not looking at the season stats. But we now have four matches with a result. Uh, I think um, any other point of the season or any other season, that's going to be something nice at this point of the season, having the results. Oh, by the way, for those of you listening, it is that time of year where crickets hit the orange and black soccer cast studio. So I apologize if you hear any cricket noise in the background. Um, but man, you are, are if it's not for the way the season's played so far, Brad, would four results in four matches be a pretty good thing in your eyes? Can you repeat that one more time? Four, a lot of fours. Four results in four matches would be good any other time, except for the fact that we're um, sitting pretty low on the table, right? I mean, yes, uh, but four results in four matches. What are we looking at? Draws, wins. That's that's the big important factor of that. All right. 
Simple and sweet for Brad, as always, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's do this, though. We got to talk about that Las Vegas Lights match last week that saw Orange County um, probably disappointingly coming up with just one point in a 1-1 draw against Las Vegas Lights. I, I think Orange County looked pretty good um, in this match, but just came up short. Uh, Brad, your thoughts on only getting one point from the match against Las Vegas uh, and did Orange County blow the opportunity to get another three points here? I mean, if I think back all the way to last Wednesday, I can't believe that those words come out of my mouth. It's been a while. Um, Orange County definitely was the better team on the night. They played a lot more um, solid possession. Um, I don't even remember how the Vegas goal comes, but I do remember uh, Oloski's goal because he seems to just score every week. Um, I'm just kind of stalling. Uh, to see that Vegas goal, but yeah, Lasky just is able to just again with the chip, quite amazing work out of him. But we shouldn't expect anything else, knowing uh, how the team's been playing so far. But no, Orange County definitely had a lot better possession this week than they did uh, last time they played Vegas. A lot less mistakes, a lot more, a lot more possession, creating chances, and yet only one goal to show on the night. Let's talk about the Milan Oloski goal, right? Uh, what's more impressive for you in this uh, run-up to the goal? Is it the uh, nice chip pass from Dylan Powers, or is it the great control from Milan Oloski using his shoulder or upper left chest to control that ball and really take Abraham Romero out of the play because Romero was coming out to get that ball, and um, Oloski uh, very smartly taps that ball away using his what looks to be his shoulder, which – uh, I believe is totally legal in soccer terms. Anything below the shoulder would be a handball, but the shoulder actually, uh, I believe, is is a legal way to do it. So what are you more impressed with, that pass or the control from Milan uh, to take Romero out of the play? I really do think that pass was a thing of beauty. Uh, it was perfectly weighted. Milan was in the spot to just be able to easily handle it. Um but again, that first touch Milan takes is just absolutely insane. There's the Vegas goal. Uh, looks just to be a spill coming out. Um, well, but- let's get into this Vegas goal really quick, right? Because I, I, I'm sorry, man. We It seems like this is now a weekly segment, um, having to harp on one specific defender on this team. But um, obviously, Rakowski should catch that ball uh, or at least mm-hmm. control a little bit better. But the defenders also should not just be standing around anticipating that their goalkeeper is going to get that ball. And who is it other than Albie Skendi that sort of just stands there flat-footed um, while the uh, goal scorer for Las Vegas just like pounces on that loose ball um, to get the goal? So uh, i sorry to cut you off on your previous thought, but we're seeing that on the highlights right now, uh, Brad. Um, who's more at fault, Rakowski or Skendi on that? I'll give you my I, answer I, after you get I, yours, too. I'm not yeah. putting you all on the spot, Brad. Ide- ideally, uh, I would say Skendi. Um, he is flat-footed. He should just be there to clear the ball out of the back of the net, in my opinion. Um, I don't know what the communication is, who's responsible for what there. But I I would argue, yeah, it is Skendi. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you on that one. I actually really um, – you know – Obviously, I think anyone anticipates Rakowski is going to make a good save there. Uh, it looks like that ball just had a little bit of that knuckle feel to it that Rakowski couldn't quite read it perfectly. So that's why it was a weird bounce and a weird uh, deflection off of Rakowski. So that's unfortunate there. Uh, but um, this is this is what I teach my young players is, is regardless of 
uh, who your goalkeeper is. You could have a world class goalkeeper. You can have a someone making their debut uh, between the, the posts, but you need to be there and have their back regardless. So you need to be ready to pounce on that ball. Anticipate that the goalie's not going to catch it. And where do you think you need to go to get that ball? But yeah, uh, unfortunately on that one, Scandy's just sort of sitting there flat-footed, um, anticipating that Rakowski gets the ball, taking a breather already, um, probably two or three seconds too soon. And as much as I hate to admit it, props to the uh, to the goal scorer for Las Vegas there. Uh, who was it? Uh, Cal Jennings for anticipating that Rakowski wouldn't have the ball. That's another thing I teach my kids on offense. Do not stop until the goalkeeper has that ball in their hands. So Cal Jennings uh, was doing Samora ball 101, pounce on that goalie until they have that ball uh, secured in their hands. Um, you mentioned earlier that you thought Orange County was, you know, had was the better team out there. But when you look at the stats, it's actually probably still more in favor of Las Vegas statistically. Uh, Vegas had more shots, more shots on target, uh, more possession, more passes, a better pass accuracy, uh, way less fouls, and, and they didn't get carded at all. Um, so what is it that you saw from Orange County that says Orange County played or was the better team in this match? Honestly, my answer is probably just improvement over the last time they played uh, They played Las Vegas. I was looking to see who, you know, how we controlled the ball in the midfield. And I was much more, not impressed, but satisfied with this time around than our first time, uh, where it seems like anytime we gain possession, we immediately just kind of gave it back. And uh, I just I just thought we looked a lot better of a team. And maybe it's with rose-colored, uh, rose-tinted glasses, but that's just what I saw. And then what I got to ask you next, Brad, very important question. Uh, what was probably the biggest moment or the most important moment in that second half that you saw uh, on the uh, stream that that caught your eye and that uh, you, you feel like was a big important part of this match? I don't even remember the second half. I'm not going to lie. It's been so long. Does anyone remember the second half? Uh, it, if you don't recall, Brad, most of the second half, half was unavailable due to um, some streaming issues. That's, that's exactly um, why the whole the whole game was almost non-streamed for me. So that's why, that's, that's where Brad, neither of us were at the match. So we're sitting here going <laughs> off of what twenty five minutes worth of stream uh, video, and then the highlights that our producer was able to pull up somehow, some way off of uh, uh, off of the uh, the highlights from USL Championship. Uh, unfortunate that most of this match was was missing, but. Uh, for those of you that missed it, we were having fun in the uh, Discord chats. Uh, for those of you that are part of the Discord, I should—I don't know if I should even mention Discord, uh, but doing some uh, some fun random conversations. Uh, yours truly was going and basically copying and pasting every comment someone made and finding the uh, the uh, GIF or GIF, whatever you prefer to call it, uh, and posting that. So we saw some random stuff on there. Um, so what we're going to do right here is. That's all we have to say about this Las Vegas match because we didn't really get to see much. If anyone was at the match, and I do see El Patron de Grayson was there and um, commented on that shot that Rakowski couldn't stop uh, saying from my spot on the side, the ball was blasted. It was a tough one to catch. Um, we're going to have to rely on you, the fans that were actually at the match on uh, Wednesday, last Wednesday, to know uh, what happened. Let, let's start the conspiracy things here, Brad. Was this potentially maybe some... Uh, LA Galaxy uh, supporters or even maybe LA Gal Galaxy front office, maybe cutting some uh, some cable wires or some 
video uh, wires at Championship Soccer Stadium, or is this just a, a, a freak accident in your opinion? It's a freak accident. Let's let's be honest. Here. You don't you don't, you don't you don't have any thought or any inkling that it could have been a sabotage. I think it's more likely that Bush did uh, 9-11 than uh, the Los Angeles Galaxy fans who are overwhelmingly in support of Orange County staying Orange County SC um, having anything to do with that stream. Uh, I have no idea what it was. The team seemed to fix it before it got crushed again. And that's why I think uh, looking back on it, uh, I I thought Orange County was a better team than they probably were because I didn't get a C. 50 minutes of a 90 minute game. Yeah, it was very unfortunate. I was, uh, <laughs> I was constantly like refreshing my, uh, my webpage to see if the stream would pop back up. Uh, my, my sons were pretty, pretty cute when they were talking about it saying, just, you know, just go back and watch the stuff you can watch. I'm like, yeah, I've already watched that stuff. I don't want to go back and watch it again, I guess. But um, I was just hoping that they would somehow fix it for the end. But I, I'm sure at some point, you know, maybe at the 85th minute, it's like, okay, we're, you know, it's not even worth trying to fix it at this point. We're just going to let it go. And um, unfortunately, it would have been nice maybe uh, if the once the club found out that the stream was not going through a little bit more interaction or a little bit more social media uh, posts to keep us all updated. I know there was updates on like a yellow card um, and later on the match that it was still close, but it's one of those things... Um, or heck, maybe even just a fan at the stadium. Maybe the club just says, hey, random fan, just start streaming this on on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or something so that our fans can see what's going on. But I'm sure you get into legalities there. Um, any other fans that were at the match, go ahead and post on here and just let us know what your thoughts were on the match. Uh, we will bring them up, even though we're going to sort of move on here. But we, we want to know what you saw at that match um, uh, there. And Apologize that we can't really say much more about uh, a 1-1 draw for Orange County. But again, I I'm looking at the glass half full perspective here is at least it's a result. At least it's a point, uh, which, you know, a point is very much needed. I, I, I promise you three points is a lot more needed at this point. But the way the season's been going, I will take a point um, at any point. It keeps us at least even on points with RGV. Um, but RGV does have a game in hand. So there's still a chance if the season was to end today uh, with RGV getting that extra game, we we have no control over being in last place. But, um, you know, we got to at least do our thing to try and compete. And, hey, still only, what, seven points back of the playoff spot? Um, amazingly, shockingly, right? That, that, that still has to be a shock at this point of, of how – dismal of a season this has been for orange county to still only be seven points back and i know that's again being glass half, glass half full at this point saying only seven points back with what was it nice. nine matches remaining um but still to be at that position the way it seems this season has gone pretty cool um before we jump ahead to the upcoming match which is the rematch against tampa bay uh, there was one bit of roster news that was uh, announced. We, we will we will get to the season scoring predictions. I promise you, Mr. Andy, our producer, we will get there. But I wanted to talk about this um, roster news. Uh, Longmire has been recalled. So we now no longer have Longmire as, I guess, a backup center back. So the big question I have for you, Brad, who do we have a center back at this point in the uh, final, at least heading into this match against Tampa Bay? The the mistake man himself, uh, God, I, 
trying to think of some funny uh, one-liners to say. The uh, expected own goal. The the uh, you you have to have some here. Uh, Albie Skendi is seemingly our only center back, and he's not a center back. Um, well, you know we have Michael Orozco. We do have uh, yeah. U.S. former U.S. international Michael Orozco back there. I, I want to make sure you know that he's also a center back, right, Brad? Yeah, but it seems like we're playing two of them every game. So, so and, and he he's been healthy, but it's Skendi, and that's concerning given that we've only had two clean sheets, and I don't think he's played in either of them this season. So this begs a question, all right? So either, hopefully, between now and, what, three, four days from now, we get some sort of announcement of another center back that's on the roster, um, or we're stuck with Skendi and Orozco with maybe Peterson being our backup center back at this point or our emergency center back, or somehow, some way, maybe Rob Kiernan is uh, uh, recovered from whatever injury is ailing him, and he will be back in the mix. Uh, how scared are we? Right now, looking at the roster with Skendi, Orozco, and I guess Peterson as our three center backs. Uh, if you, you know, we were going to do a scale of one to 10, 10 being you're totally confident, one meaning you are just, you know, you're scared. Um, what, let me, what let me, before, before I give an answer to that, uh, let me just go ahead and correct myself. Skendi was in center back in both of those games that we've had uh, clean sheets against Miami and Atlanta United too. Um, so let me just apologize to Skinny on that one. Although performance the rest of the season is definitely painting a different picture from those two games. Um, my confidence if to make the playoffs or just in the back line itself or the center backs itself. No, I'm just saying your confidence in the center back. So either – 10, you're totally c calm, collective, or, you know, a zero, you're like, you know, a non-virgin in a horror movie. You know you're going to die at some point. What's uh, – wh um, where, where are you at? Yeah. I'm at a three, and that's because I don't think Skendi's a bad player. I think he's playing out of position and getting lost a lot of the time. But he is still a – a good player in terms of he has all the physical attributes, but then you have a Roscoe and you, you have full faith in him. He's been there. He's played what I think he's played a hundred caps for the team. I think that was uh, this past week. He was a, uh, was his hundredth game, but he's played a lot. He's reliable. He's always been there and he's, he's an iron man and plays pretty much every minute of every game. Um, so a three, I think would be, Fair enough. You're a lot more confident than I am with this with this setup. As much <laughs> as I love Michael Orozco, um, he's at the tail end of his career. He's still doing amazing. I I'll give it to him. I mean, so uh, Michael, if you're listening or if you ever listen to our podcast, you're doing amazing. But you're still he's at the tail end of his career, uh, and it should be a point in his career where you're not asking him to be, um, you know, so so involved and so important to your defense. Uh, that he has to play every minute of every match and he has to play error free. Um, I obviously going into the season, you're anticipating Rob Kiernan's there. Um, at some point, you're anticipating Rob Kiernan's going to be sort of the the leader of that defense, giving Michael Orozco a little bit of a a break and a little bit of uh, less duties in him. And 
Um, maybe you're not anticipating Albi Skendi playing so many minutes. You're not anticipating, um, you know, well, I guess you were anticipating Kobe Henry heading to France, if we're being honest here, um, but not anticipating maybe getting rid of or losing all your other center backs on the roster. Um, so that's, I guess, the difficult part with this. Uh, I love Michael Orozco, but it's just at this point of his career, he shouldn't be asked to be the focal point uh, of your defense. He needs to be the complement to whoever your focal point is. Again, that should have been Rob Kieran in the season. Didn't happen. Um, I probably am more down to a one when it comes to my confidence um, of, uh, of um, well, producer Andy going with the, uh, the crazy uh, talk here in the chats. 2023 return of Blake Malone. Um, he must be hearing something that we're not. I mean, he was near the Colorado area uh, recently. So maybe there's some rumors uh, in what Utah or wherever he was. Was he in Colorado? I can't remember where he was um, that he heard from the locals. Let's talk about this rematch of, uh, of the final match of the 2021 season. Um, that seems, seems so long ago that it happened, but it was like Brad said about nine months ago that Orange County uh, went to Alling stadium dominated the match against um, Tampa Bay Rowdies. Uh, thanks in part to a very key penalty save by Patrick Rakowski, uh, which I think was the last time we saw a confident Patrick Rakowski on the pitch. Unfortunately, um, there's been struggles this season. Uh, and then, then bangers from players like uh, Miko Kuningas, Ronaldo Damas, um, that sealed this victory for Orange County. Um, I don't know. How, how are we feeling about this rematch? Let me ask you the, the important question. I think all Orange County fans have talked about, Brad. How upset are we that the rematch wasn't in Orange County and it's back to Tampa Bay? Back to conspiracy theories. I think it's more likely that uh, Bush did 9-11 than... Uh, the league is conspiring to take over uh, take over Orange County's viewer base. I think this is just how it worked out. Um, maybe they're worried about viewership and they thought that Orange County wasn't going to be a packed stadium, but because uh, COVID in California, but Florida, you know, is the wild east when it comes to COVID restrictions and rules and. I don't know. Also, the league headquarters is in Tampa. You can put you can put on your uh, your your tinfoil caps about it. Yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, it's obvious, Brad. Come on, you don't have to. We're not paid by the league or the team. We don't have to skate around the facts here. It's it's obvious, right? I mean, the league is headquartered in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay Rowdies are the darlings of the USL Championship regardless of orange County winning the title in Tampa Bay. Uh, I mean, it's obvious that orange County earned the right to host this rematch. I mean, I think you, we all knew that because there was going to be this interconference play, there was going to be this rematch on the schedule. How is it not orange County hosting this match? Like what argument do you have, Brad, that, that you can say, okay, there was no obvious choice that it should have been orange County. I know you're, you're trying to be political here and you're not, you're not, you're trying to not make enemies, uh, with the league, or I guess with, uh, uh, you know, the, the supporters in Tampa Bay for whatever reason, I don't know if, if they're paying you, if they got you in their pocket or what it is, but, um, what is it that you feel like this is just, this just happened? I mean, come on, you're putting a schedule together and you're not putting the rematch in the champions field when the original match was played in, in Tampa Bay, it should be the rematch in orange County makes sense, right? 
Um, I I'll come back with one counter. What if the uh the schedule was made before the finals? What if uh they were already in talks about next season's schedule before the season ended? I I know that sounds kind of ludicrous, but I don't. There's not many reasons why you're right. There's not many reasons why the uh, league would have handled this as they did, uh, except viewership and um, east east coast uh, time zone. But it it is what it is, and I guess we just live with it. Guess we just live with it. We can't we can't like protest. We can't go to a city council meeting and and. Uh... <laughs> You know, leave e-comments to say, hey, USL, you did us wrong here. I'm just joking on either that. Either way, one. either way, <laughs> part the, of it. The, the team probably would be in the same situation. Uh, and you don't want to get embarrassed at home in a rematch of the national championship. I think it it gives us the excuse because we've been horrible. Actually, we should be looking at it favorably. Like if we were to lose this upcoming weekend, we should look at it favorably and say, well, at least – it wasn't at home. We could use that as an excuse. Brad's already making excuses for Orange County losing this weekend, folks. What do you think of that? Let us know for those of you that are listening, <laughs> watching live in the in the chats. Are you disappointed in Brad already making excuses for Orange County losing in Tampa Bay? Um, man, uh, I haven't even looked at Tampa Bay's like form what's that or doing? how they're what- doing. They've they've lost two in a row. Prior to that, they've won seven in a row. Okay, so we're getting them at the right time, is what you're saying, Brad. So um, you should have more faith in Orange County. We are we are facing them at the right time. They are in poor form right now. After a great run of form, they've now dropped a little bit. This is the perfect time to be facing Tampa Bay at home at Championship Soccer Stadium, making them travel across the country, playing at what would be 10 o'clock at night in the East Coast, but they're playing on the West Coast. I mean, right? I mean, this would be a perfect opportunity for Orange County to make that final last-ditch effort push for the playoffs by defeating Tampa Bay at Championship Soccer Stadium. I, I love, By the way, I love this whole concept here where it's just Brad and me going back and forth because now we can sort of just banter and argue back yeah, and forth yeah, and there's we, no we, Alan or, or Dylan to there's be no the, way to get him between us. <laughs> yeah. There's no reason here, there's, right? There's no reason. I'm trying to be the reason here and you just got your tinfoil hat on. No. Uh, if you look at who they lost to these past two weeks, it was Louisville and it was uh Colorado spring switchbacks, both teams on the top of the respective Eastern and Western uh, division. And these were both one zero losses. So it's not like they were defensively giving up goals and looking bad. It's just they played against two really good teams. One of them had a really good defensive game in Colorado where uh, they somehow managed to keep a clean sheet against uh, Tampa Bay. But if we look further into this matchup, Tampa Bay has continued on their path of dominance that they've been continuing on for the past, what, three, four, five years where they've consistently been making not only playoffs, but deep runs. They've been, they should have been, in my opinion, champions in the uh, COVID year of 2020 uh, when it was them versus Phoenix at Owling that got canceled the day of or the day before uh, due to COVID in one of the team's parties. Um, But they still are that same dominant team. They've played 25 games this season and have allowed 25 goals, which, you know, 
is a sure of a lot better than us. I have that stat up. Uh, let me bring it back up. I think we've allowed 45 goals in the 43 goals in the same amount of games, 25 games. Um, so it's the comparison of one team's allowing almost two goals a game. The other one's allowing one goal a game. And although Orange County hasn't had a game where we've allowed more than three, we've been allowing at least two or three in a lot of these games this season. Uh, and that's, and especially late in these matches. And that's been where this team has dropped its points as we've covered week in and week out. Uh, but looking deeper on this team, uh, you have players that have been there for a while. They've known the system. Uh, Leo Fernandez, uh, Jake LaCava, uh, Kyle Grieg, you know, just to name a few. Um, but this is a very strong Tampa Bay team. And they're going to be playing at home. And I hate to be all doom and gloom here, but you should definitely be happy that uh, Orange County is playing on the road here. I'm afraid of the embarrassment if it was at home. But All right, Brad, we wouldn't be embarrassed at home, though. I'm just telling you this right now, right? You just mentioned that Tampa Bay lost 1-0 to Colorado Springs. We drew Colorado Springs at home three to three. So, I mean, it wouldn't be an embarrassment at Championship Soccer Stadium. Okay, I'm going to get yeah, over this. But that was Tampa. That was probably... Tampa Bay on the road, though. It playing, and you they know... would be in the road at Orange County, and even an hour more of a delay to the start than what they're used to. So, again, they're starting when in Orange County when they probably would be going to bed in Tampa Bay because. Obviously, what else is there to do in Tampa Bay but play your match they and then go home and go to sleep? They would still start the game at 4 or 5 o'clock so that the Eastern crowd could still watch this. It wouldn't be a 7 p.m. start. Oh, no. Yes. Okay, we need to go do this research, and I'm going to ask our producer, Andy, if he can, to do some research. When the East Coast teams have come out to the West Coast, do we start them earlier because they're playing on the West Coast? That, that sounds ludicrous, Brad. It sounds like you're just pulling something out of the – the your back pocket hoping it sticks throwing some pasta to the wall hoping it's done and it sticks to the okay. wall or how something. about how about this one um hold on let me find i i had one earlier let 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 our producer do the research let All us right. keep going let, with this because yeah. i got to prove that you are you are just mental here when you're thinking about this but let's talk about this match let's talk <laughs> about orange county versus tampa bay what can orange county do in this match to get the three points on the road in tampa bay what can Orange County do on the road to get the three points in Tampa Bay? Oof. Um, only allow one goal. Only allow one goal. I, I'm very confident that if uh, Orange County only allows one goal, our chances go up a lot. And how do you do that? Uh, you have to control as much of the game as you can. You have to allow um, that midfield, which has looked better, mind you. Uh, I think Kasipli and Powers have been unsung heroes this uh, last four-game stretch what we've been unbeaten in. And those two guys have been creating a lot of chances and feeding Milan Oloski. And you just have to continue to do what's been working there. Um, and then you have to also not allow fe- uh, set pieces. So I don't know what Memphis versus New Mexico would be. Oh, it's Memphis at New Mexico. Is that six our time or six? Uh, six. I was gonna uh, say that New makes Mexico. a big difference. If it's six New Mexico, that's that 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 would have. If it's six our time, that would have been seven o'clock New Mexico. I don't know, um, but 
Orange County hosted Luton earlier in the season. Kickoff was at 5 p.m. That's not 4 p.m. Okay. like I was saying, but that's an hour difference. That's the difference of 8 to 10. Okay. Okay. So then, then obviously then we have the proof that there's an East Coast bias when it comes to this league. Uh, the league is sort of making <laughs> uh, concessions to the start times so or the kickoff times of these matches. No other professional sports league does that, right? If you have an East Coast team in the NBA coming out to California – and typically teams start their ma- their games at 7.30. The games tip it off at 7.30. It's not a an adjusted schedule because, oh, we have the New York Knicks coming into Staples Center or, wait, sorry, Crypto.com Arena. The Crypt. Um, so let's let's start the game earlier. No, that, that would be ridiculous, right? Look at that. See, battery at G2, a 7.30 p.m. kickoff time. battery. Orange well, County the, the, versus the Charleston Miami. Fans the Miami battery. 0-0 game, 5 p.m. kickoff. yeah. So I guess we're we're making a, a, an argument here. I guess I was totally wrong. I guess the league does have this East Coast bias. Oh, um, years. <laughs> and they're starting. So, what, that, so that you're I was still wrong? right. You're still right in that regard that the league has East Coast bias. Although I totally have said that in the past too. That you know they want their East Coast. It's, it's a precious audience for them. It's it. A lot of these teams are very well supported um, outside of like Red Bulls too and. Luton United, which are also kind of a two team themselves. Um, well, who cares? All last year, well when Las Vegas wanted to do a midnight kickoff against uh, Orange County, right? I mean, you know, they're, they're, what's this precious kickoff time when they're going to do some ridiculous stunt like that with Las Vegas? Um, I guarantee you the league had no control over that. <laughs> Las Vegas is going to Las Vegas. Don't use Las Vegas as an example for anything of professionalism in this league. Yeah, that's coming from the Reno man who hates Vegas. Um, so obviously we're probably going to see Skendi and, uh, and, and Orozco, uh, as the center backs in this match. Uh, you said to have a chance we have to score or, or uh, allow just one, one goal, one goal. Um, wow. G2 at Luden was a four 30 Eastern time kick. So that would have been like one 30 Pacific. Wow. Um, Again, I love it. That, Our producer, I asked him to, had to do a task, uh, and he's bringing up all the stats. Of, that probably had the combined viewership of probably 300 people. But at least the Galaxy would reimburse Luden for any lost revenue because of that change in time or something. Who knows? Um, how how excited or how positive or do you think we can get that limiting it to one goal for Tampa Bay with a Skendi Roscoe partnership? Or is that pretty much a obvious bet on the uh, that 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 it's not going to happen? What's the official Nevada betting line for this, Brad? Um, if I can find one, uh, go ahead and talk about this game. No, a little I'm bit just more. saying you got to give me your 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 Nevada betting expertise. Is this you know, just going to be one goal prediction? If, if Orange County is going to win, they need to only limit it to one goal for Tampa Bay. But we have probably I'm anticipating Skendi Orozco as the center backs of, of the defense. So if you were a betting man, are you going to bet that we can, we can in fact limit it to one goal or are you saying, Nope, Tampa Bay is scoring like five or six goals. I'm thinking that they could probably score two. I think that's the more likely number. I think uh, we're going to allow one from open play and then uh, somehow Skendi is going to find a, an own goal or a mistake that leads to a goal. Uh, it's, uh. it's consistencies basis, Ray. Don't lie to me. It, it it It's to the point to where you don't even like feel that anymore. You kind of expect it. And like 
the pain has kind of numbed away over the whole process of uh, watching Skendy play. And I, I love him. He, he, I think he's a fun player, but he is definitely way out of his own league in, in that spot that he's being uh, kind of forced into. And by all means, I, I feel like I've, you know, he, he's, a, he's a nice guy. I mean, I hate that we have to bash him week in and week out for the performances on the pitch. <laughs> um, but that's all, I mean, that's what we do on the show though, right? We're going to give you a, a honest fan opinion of what we're seeing on the pitch. And I mean, to even a very limited soccer knowledge person, you're going to see that a lot of these things that we're seeing that are, are mistakes. Um, Skinny just happens to be right there in the middle of it all. Um, is there any chance? I, I know we talked about last week uh, about Milan Oloski going for the, the record here, potentially. Um, what do you think? Can Milan, the over under of 1.5 for Milan Oloski in this match goals. So basically saying um, the over would be two goals or more. The under would be one goal or less. What would you take the over or the under against Tampa Bay? I would take the under, but not a zero. I think Oloski uh, is a player that, that is just fun to watch. He is a creative, creative player. And he's definitely, you can see the work he puts outside of the game show up in the game. I think uh, one goal is probably the more realistic number. But if we see uh, uh, Brace Oloski instead of Brian Oloski, um, or Brian, Milan Oloski, Brace Oloski instead of Milan Oloski, uh, definitely would be a fun game to watch. And I sort of want to, I'm going to put our producer on the spot here. He doesn't have to come on the video. He can just put in the chats. Um, but what do you think, uh, producer Andy, uh, over under for Milan Oloski? Does he, uh, will you take the over the under of a 1.5 for Milan Oloski for goals in this match against Tampa Bay? I'm taking the over. I, 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 feel, I feel like Milan could do this. It's going to be a big stage. It's in front of the league, you know, higher ups, the, uh, the, the league officials or whatever. He wants to put on a show. He's going to go for, um, a brace or a hat trick in this. So I'm going with the over uh, if I'm putting the betting line at 1.5 for the over under looks like our producer is going for the over as well. Um, he put that in the chats uh, for the orange and black soccer cast. So uh, Andy and I have more faith that Milan can take the over here. Um, if Milan gets the over Brad, I I'm going to say this right now. If he gets the over, if he gets two or more goals, I have faith in or counting this match. I, I think um, Rakowski is going to have some sort of memory of, Al Lang Stadium, we're going to see Rakovsky of last season. And maybe, hey, maybe my whole argument was incorrect. Maybe the fact that they are in Al Lang Stadium, it's going to rejuvenate the team. Rakovsky is going to find his old form from last year, and he's going to go on a final nine-match run, giving up like three goals in nine matches. And it's going to push this team to victory. But I think Milan goes for two or three goals in this match. If he does that, I think Orange County wins. What are your thoughts, Brad? If he goes for two goals, which he's done a couple times this season, um, I think the match, I think we don't lose with two goals. Um, I can't be confidently say that we win because um, I can't confidently say that we allow less than two goals. Um, but if he does score brace and the over comes up, I mean, how much do I have here? I got, I doesn't really show up on the camera, but I got about three, four shots worth of uh Malort. Maybe I'll do like two shots and then make a mixed drink out of the rest of it. And we'll just polish off the bottle on next week's episode. Uh so that I eat my words. And there's some some uh tangible tangible uh punishment to me not having faith in uh Milan Olosky. 
Perfect. And it sounds like Brad needs some more Malort. So if anyone wants to help Brad out in this Deej's endeavor in, uh, Chicago, of getting more Malort. me this week. Oh, okay. Deej is getting it for you. Yeah. Um, we got to do our predictions. But before we do that, let's see where we are in the standings after the Las Vegas match. Um, I, I know my prediction didn't do anything for to help me. I'm stuck at 55 still. Um, but, man, Allen is still winning. And Allen is sort of cruising to victory at this point. He's uh, 12 points ahead of second place, Dylan. Brad, you are, what, six points back of that? Not too bad. And I'm, how far back am I of Allen? I am that would 30 be 31 points. Is it hey. even physically, is it even mathematically possible for me to catch yeah. up to Allen at this point? Ten, ten, 10 points a week. And if you, well, if your score prediction is right three times and Allen's score prediction is exactly wrong three times, you would be within one point. All right, so I got to I got to go with serious predictions from here on out. I know five I, zero. I I've been doing my five zero, and we've at least been getting points. It's been working. I I got to catch back up to Allen, man. This is this is ridiculous. Um, so let's get into our predictions. We do have Allen's official prediction because he did provide it to us, um, Thanks, before Dylan, we not. went live. Uh, so what's up? I said thank you, Dylan, for not because we get to have some fun with it now. Oh, we get to have fun with Dylan's prediction. It'll be awesome. Um, so Alan's prediction is what, Brad? Uh, Alan predicted a one to three loss. Uh, Tampa Bay wins. So he is definitely now officially a full 100% San Diego loyal fan. He is not a fan of Orange County because he's predicting a one three loss for Orange County in this match. Um, Brad, are you giving up your uh, your fandom of Orange County in this prediction? I. I'm very, very, very torn on this because everything I've said says that, you know, we're going to lose. And in my brain, my brain is telling me Alan's prediction seems very fair, but my heart and standings on the uh, prediction game are telling me that it's a two to two draw because I need to catch up myself. And also I've been saying, I don't think we win with two goals, but I don't think we lose with two goals. All right. Perfect. For my prediction. I actually went in. I have a friend that has a copy uh, of Gray Sports Almanac, Almanac, but the newer version of it, not just up to the year 2000. Or, or he, no, he has the one, 2020 to 2050. And he looked at the score in the Almanac, and he told me that Orange County is going to win 3-2 to two against Tampa Bay. So my prediction, Orange County 3, Tampa Bay 2. This is courtesy of Gray Sports Almanac. Um, and uh, I, I'm confident in this. I, I I'm 100% confident in this prediction. Uh, now we got to get Dylan's prediction. Dylan's just SOL when it comes to this, right? What do we oh, want to no, do? He this? hasn't How shown up in two this? weeks. Don't, don't, don't have sympathy for the guy who has not shown up to his one weekly commitment for multiple weeks in a row. Here's what I'm going to do. I have a bunch of random coins that I just found on my desk here. I didn't even plan this. You heard those coins sliding across my desk, hopefully. I'm just going to like put them in random piles here, and we're just going to count this up. Dylan's score prediction is going to be, see, this is a nickel, so that's five. A dime is 10. A nickel is five. So count this up for me, Brad. Two nickels. We got a dime. We got another dime. Oh, I was just going to ask Google. Okay. So we have 30 cents, um, $1.30, $1.32. So he's going to 132 for Orange County. Got 75, 80, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, 100. One, two. Wait, did I, I? I counted wrong. Why am I counting wrong? 
Oh, no, I counted right. 102. 102 for Tampa Bay. Did you write it down? 132 to 102. Yes. Oh, boy. I don't want to watch that game. That game is probably... Oh. That would be, what, like three goals every minute? Uh, 90 minute game. What is that? A hundred or 234, 234. Yep. We're going to math. We're committed for it. 234 <laughs> divided math, by 90. Uh, math says it's 2.6 goals a minute. There we go. So round it up to three. Not in, not I, I know there's not, many, there's not many of you watching live, but for those of you watching live, share us your thoughts, your predictions. If you're not watching live, just let us know um, on social media or um, in private chats with us, what your prediction is going to be for this match. Uh, let's get to some random, random soccer stuff here. Um, any random soccer news you have to provide Mr. Brad? Yeah, I got two pieces of soccer news today. Uh, first is a shout out to one of the craziest uh, sports or soccer influencers in the United States. And that is Mr. Eric Winalda. Um, I don't remember which soccer pundit, but somebody was was uh, kind of team MLS saying what other league in America produces these talents that are going to Europe every year, like Brendan Aronson and all these other names that are just going abroad. And when all the just response, two words, orange County. And um, can, can I just guess it was probably Alexi lawless that was saying what other leagues are. I, I don't know. I would that just sounds like an Alexi lawless thing to say. Yeah, it does, but I don't think it was. Um, and then the other, oh, there's even more. Um, Tab Ramos to uh, Hartford Athletic, which is going to be an interesting uh, relationship there. I wonder uh, if they're opening up the pocketbook to try to make a run at future seasons and create a uh, championship team in Hartford, which a lot of those fans really deserve a team that's been doing better than they have been recently. Um so that's exciting to see. Uh, hopefully they open up the pocketbook and uh, Mr. Ramos's relationships with players can bring in some quality talent up there. And then last but not least, um, if you do like little mini 10, 15-minute soccer documentaries, um, SB Nation just came out with one about one of the biggest hypes in American soccer and kind of uh, the bust of, of you know, all these expect expectations placed on a teenage soccer player. Um, that would be Mr. Freddie Adu. Um, it's called Prism. Uh, it's on SB Nation, and it's just like a really good brief kind of overview of of Freddie Adu and his ups and downs uh, as a 14 year old who is kind of expected to carry MLS into name recognition around the world. Yeah, it's. I'll have to check that out. I haven't uh, checked that out yet, but uh, very interested in um, seeing what we have there. Um, this is this is where you get the strong argument. Is USL is probably a better spot for some of these young American talents to come through because there's less pressure, there's less uh, you know expectations, and you get to come in and you probably get more playing time at the level that you needed at to be able to achieve your goal. That's why you see players like maybe um, a Kobe Henry come in an Aaron Cervantes come in um, sort of under the radar. Uh, we look at even Orange County. We had this high expectation of someone like a Francis Jacobs 
And we probably can probably look back at it and say he's yet to live up to those high expectations when he was brought in as a, a young professional player. Um, but some of that has to do with maybe some injury issues and Hey, orange County uh, being a championship contender, uh, which means you're going to focus more on the experienced players. Um, but uh, you probably have a better opportunity as a youngster coming through the ranks, go to USL team, get some, playing time, but under the radar playing time and figure your way out. And there's proof now in the USL that you can still make your way to some of the bigger clubs in Europe through that, uh, that process, instead of maybe going straight to the MLS with all that pressure, all those expectations. Um, and maybe, I don't know, less support. I don't know. Who knows? Let's watch what's going on there. Yeah. The, uh, USL is kind of, uh, the biggest mix between really young hungry players that are getting more minutes and getting an opportunity and older, more senior players who are, who are definitely uh, have been around for a while. Um, While that's, I think one of the biggest knocks on MLS next pro is you're going to see a lot of these really young, hungry players that are going to be dominating other young, hungry players. But, you know, you're not, you know, let's see how that translates to when they get called up to the MLS or get loaned to a, a uh, European team or whatnot. I don't know what the exact plan is, but one of the biggest players that people are kind of championing, championing as the MLS to European soccer uh, recently is Brendan Aronson, who now is with Leeds United, and they just uh, had a big victory over the weekend. But where did he start his professional career at? Are you that asking me the question yeah, that, or yeah. Where did Brendan Aronson start his professional was like career at? Bethlehem steel or something like yep. that. Right. He started in the USL with uh, Bethlehem steel, which mind you was a MLS two team with uh, Philadelphia union, but it was in USL competition. So little fun fact for you there. I guarantee you everyone, Brad was trying to stump me with that question. He thought he had me there, um, but I've no. done my research. I, <laughs> It's it's random. I, I go through and randomly read Wikipedia articles, and I, I read something about Brendan Harrison at Bethlehem Steel. That's the reason I knew that one. I'm not going to claim that I like am the expert here. Um, here we go with my random soccer stuff. Random soccer stuff here, right? Everyone knows I always talk about my youth soccer team, and I'm going to do it right here. I apologize. But we are. I'm taking my youth soccer team into their first ever uh, club tournament uh, on Labor Day weekend. It's the Laguna Classic. Um, so I need some scouting help here. If anyone knows any scouting information of any of the teams that are in the U12 boys division playing in that tournament. So we got Laguna Beach FC. We've got Petadoras. We've got some Liverpool teams, uh, uh, Newport Mesa Slammers, um, a few uh, uh, CFA, uh, a few other uh, teams. But if anyone has any information on those, hit me up. Give me a scouting report on those teams so that I know how to play my team in this match, I'm very competitive. I want my team to do good in their first ever uh, club tournament, even though we're not officially club, but we're getting to play in a club tournament. So that's really fun. So hit me up. Let me know. And I guess our producer is like shocked that I'm asking for scouting reports on uh, boys, youth 12 team or U 12 teams, but I'm doing it. I'm going to do it anyway. Is this care. a paid opportunity for uh soccer scouts out there? Cause I, I know one very, oh, I'm not uh, paying for the scouting one. report. I'm not that rich, man. I barely can afford buying equipment like soccer balls, like our official match balls that I'm buying. <sighs> so I can't afford to pay this counterpart, but just help, help me out, man. Help me out. Other random soccer news. I'm going to shoot out here. 
is uh, my son who's in seventh grade. He's taking Spanish this year. Uh, he came home after the first day or two of school and said, I think my teacher um, likes Orange County Soccer Club because I think there was a scarf in the class. So I told him to ask her. And lo and behold, she, he comes home the next the next day and says, yep, she likes Orange County Soccer Club. And she asked me um, what podcast we do. So hopefully he shared the information. Um, it, uh, you know, Landon's teacher, if you're watching, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, listen again. And, and hopefully we can uh, talk soccer here. It's awesome things. But it's awesome just to find random Orange County soccer fans um, at a middle school in Aliso <laughs> Viejo. Uh, it, it, it's exciting. Brad's if laughing this at this is, random. If this is game. your first experience with the Orange and Black Soccer cast, commiserations. <laughs> you get the the high quality banter of the Rambler and the uh and the host. <laughs> the host with the tin foil hat going on here. Hey, th- I mean, honestly, obviously I don't always believe everything I'm saying, but I I always just try and bring a little bit of mix into it and I want to hear what people say. Um, but a lot of time I do believe it. I I, I like to go crazy sometimes when I'm, with my soccer thoughts. Random thoughts for tonight luckily that you only have to listen to two of them and we get to wrap things up and we'll actually give you a few minutes back on this episode unless we start rambling on here brad random thought for tonight oh boy um you know have yourselves a a good day i'm i'm gonna try to take up the next five and a half minutes with um uh just random airtime. maybe we'll throw in some uh whale noises and Well, apparently our producer did not like this random thought from Mr. Brad here. He just boots him out. Uh, I was anticipating you guys had worked out. You, you like our producer already had some whale noises prepared to play for the rest of this episode, but no, that is not the case. Um, here we go with my random thought. I actually, uh, everyone knows that I'm a LA Clippers fan uh, since like the eighties, but um you know, on Hulu, they have a documentary uh, about the Lakers called Legacy. It just talks about how the whole process, the official process starts. I think this was sort of a reaction to HBO's um, drama, dramatic. I forget what you call it when it's a drama, but it's based off of real life stuff. Um, but uh, there was Winning Time, uh, which was sort of a more dramatic version of it. A lot of maybe facts sort of bent and skewed and whatnot. But you have the new... Um, documentary series on Hulu Legacy, um, three episodes deep so far. Pretty cool um, to hear about just stuff. I like sports documentaries. I've been watching um, Sunderland Till I Die. I've been watching some of the um, All or Nothing on Arsenal. Um, I haven't gotten to the Leeds United one from a couple years back. I'm definitely going to check that out. Uh, but if you like basketball, you like sports documentaries, go check out uh, Legacy on Hulu um, to see what you got um, there. I mean, just interesting stuff just to hear uh, how the uh, uh, bus kids had to sort of work to prove themselves to their father um, to get to where they're at um, and just sort of hearing some of the players, pretty much all the former players, coaches, front office and all that stuff are involved in this and sharing their thoughts on how that all went. So check it out um, if you're interested in sports documentaries. It's time to wrap things up here. We got to uh, let you guys go. We'll give you guys about five, four or five minutes of time back. Um, oh, uh, our producer, Andy, I guess there's 27,000 tickets sold for the SD way versus angel city match coming up. So that's a random, uh, soccer news thing to share with you that he put on there. Andy, you can always just pop in and just interrupt us to share anything you want to share with us. If you ever want to, you're not restricted, Andy, you're not restricted. You can do that. Um, but let's wrap things up for Brad, our producer, Andy, 
Um, and also those missing hosts tonight, um, Dylan, Alan, and Taylor. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, and we are out. Oh, God,